Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. From the American Museum of Natural History in New York City. And beaming out across all of space and time. This is Star Talk, where science and pop culture collide. This is Star Talk. I'm your host, your personal astrophysicist, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm here with Chuck Nice, yes, co-host. That's right. Chuck Nice comic. That's right, sir. Tweeting. At Chuck Nice comic. Love you, man. Well, love you too, Thanks man. Thanks for, you're my man. You're here when I need you. Uh, absolutely. That's, it wouldn't work if it went any other way. <laughs> okay, that's, that's just... You're always here when I don't need you, Chuck. <laughs> I don't know what it is about you. <laughs> Get the hell out. Yeah, whenever, <laughs> every time I look up, you're here and I don't need you. <laughs> very, you got a very good point. Uh, today's show, uh, we titled it Wrestling with Mental Health. Okay, so... Uh, yeah, so what we have here is we're featuring my interview with A.J. Mendez. A uh, professional wrestler. Yeah, she's a professional wrestler. All right, and as in like WWE, WWF. It's, I, all I know those. is that it begins with WWE. Yes, <laughs> I forget which Whatever one the next which. one yes, is. Yeah. She's a professional, and what would one have to do with the other? She wrote a book called Crazy is My Superpower. Nice. And in it, you know, she struggles with her bipolar disorder. Right. And tried to find how to take control of that or possibly exploit the fact that it exists in some way that can serve her life. Excellent. And so I just thought this was a fascinating story and a fascinating case. Absolutely. And my notes say she's WWE. WWE. E. That's right. Superstar under her stage name's AJ Lee. Yeah. AJ Lee. So I sat down with her in my office to discuss. Nice. Just who, who she is and what she's about. Okay. Let's check it out, the first clip. How did you navigate a path into the professional wrestling ring? Um, well, when I was growing up, I tried to find solace in... We're, we're um, always growing up. <laughs> I know. Yes, <okay>. When I <laughs> was physically this big. <laughs> okay. Pretty much the size of a large Cabbage Patch doll. Okay, yeah. Um, I um, tried to find solace and escape in the world of fantasy and fiction. And so that was comic books, that was anime, that was video games. But um, I found uh, a, a, such a an escape in these worlds of, of fantasy where there were superheroes um, that, that were strong and fighting, fighting crime. Um, and the good guy would win at the end of the day. And, and then I found professional wrestling and it, these people were flesh and blood superheroes uh, in Spanish. They're bigger than life. They're bigger yes. than life, yeah. Um, and so from a young age, I saw that that it just spoke to me, and I saw a place for me that wasn't represented. It was a superhero you wanted to be? 
Uh, I loved, um, and in the book I kind of shout out um, the, the Dark Phoenix saga in X-Men. I thought that was a time when like Chris Claremont was making women uh, stronger and uh, more of like the leaders. Um, and then to have this character that was a good guy but then could, could change and was the bad guy, I related to that duality. Um, and so I was so obsessed with, with uh, that version of June Grey. Did you want to be the good part or the bad part or both? I wanted to be uh, somewhere in between. I love when those lines blur. You know, I, I don't know if that's a common among <laughs> people in fandom because so many stories rely on, well, historically, so many stories relied on that's the bad guy, that's the good guy. Mm -hmm. And maybe the better stories are where that's more nuanced. I think so, because where, where it's easy to know, okay, you have Superman and he's, he's the good guy, Sometimes maybe they're too good. Maybe it's impossible to achieve that level of, of purity. Um, so I always kind of related to the people who, who maybe had a little bit of dark thoughts that were maybe, you know, a little tiny savage who was swinging and hitting people in school. Um, maybe I did that. Um, and, and to know that you could be redeemed, um, but you could also give in to those, those instincts, uh, that was fascinating to me. Very interesting. Cool. Very, very. Very, mm. very good. So we're going to bring in Heather Berlin, our go-to person about brain, in the next segment. Right. But uh, but before then, have you ever seen a professional wrestling match? Um, what, what do you think of them? I, you know, I'm not necessarily a fan. I'm not a detractor. Not uh, that sounds very euphemistic, Chuck. Well, I'm not necessarily a fan. But, well, the thing but, uh, is this. You don't I, want it, them coming after your ass. Does, well, yes, exactly. <laughs> and I don't want their fans coming after me either because they're quite, uh, how shall I say, spirited. Um... No, I'll put it like this. I um, It's not for me, uh, but I have spent so much time around people who enjoy wrestling um, that I know a so lot about. So the it. most celebrated among them, the most, uh, the ones that I think have the most pageantry, mm -hmm. are they any different from a superhero? Because they're um, doing super, super things in the ring. True. I mean, some of them are superhero-like. Uh, I would say the difference is, like what she was talking about with the nuances in the story arcs, yeah. is that superheroes tend to be virtuous and good and mm -hmm. righteous and mm -hmm. forthright all the time. Right. Um, whereas the wrestling... Um, sometimes the bad guy wins. There's right. the person who's portrayed as the bad guy. And sometimes the bad guy becomes the good guy, and sometimes the good guy becomes the bad guy in their, narrative, in their narrative arcs. Okay. You know? Okay. And so, for instance... So this one, would attract a geek subset, maybe, because the oh, superheroes is very is very centered in the geekiverse. Yes. And, I mean, a lot of them are extremely charismatic. Mm -hmm. I will tell you that. One of the most famous wrestlers of all time from the WWE. The Rock. Like, that's right. Yeah. You know, and his Dwayne thing, Johnson. Can you smell what the Rock is cooking? And people would go. Uh oh, insane. somebody has seen all of these matches. Well, no, I'm telling you, <laughs> I have not seen any of these. These Chuck, are the people that, that was like I a flashback with. that worried me. The way you did that, your eyes were like totally. Well, maybe I've seen him. <laughs> He's a very attractive man. That's all I can say. Uh, you know, um, and then of course, like John Cena. Yeah. Is another one. Who, yeah. So these guys go on to become, and they're good like, actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah they become actors. you know super super popular actors. Well, yeah. part of their superhero strength is imparting pain on others. Right. So there's an interesting question about pain in pro wrestling. So I, I, well, yeah. I broached that topic. Nice with AJ Lee. So uh, let's find out this concept of pain in pro wrestling. Check Sweet. Out. 
So one of the things about professional wrestling is the appearance of moves that would impart pain, but in fact don't. Right. How much of the performance is the illusion of pain to an audience that doesn't know that it's not actually imparting pain? So it's a little bit of a team effort. Mm -hmm. You need the audience to come in with the with this suspension of disbelief. Mm -hmm. they, they need to think that if I throw a person toward ropes, they're going to hit the ropes and come back at me. It is that that they want to believe. Mm -hmm. um, and then so much of it is trying to make it look like you are killing your opponent while simultaneously keeping them alive. You, you know, right. it's dangerous. Um, it's not good for the sport if you kill everyone It's really time. not. That's no one's going to want to work with you. Um, right. And so it's this combination of taking care of a person's body um, and them, it's called selling. Um, them mm -hmm. really selling the moves for you. Mm -hmm. um, so is, there must be some move school where you come <laughs> up with really creative, I mean, I've seen stuff, it's like, my gosh, how did that even work? Right. Right, right, like you said, some people, they jump up, the legs wrap, you fall down, but bones don't break, even though it looks like they might, but they don't, and somehow all the body parts work. There are techniques that you learn um, at the very beginning to, I, I can slip right now uh, outside on the street and I'll fall in a way to protect my neck and my spine. Like it, it just becomes mm. your instinct. Mm -hmm. um, so there's different parts of the body you can kick that are safer, um, that make a really loud noise so it sounds like it hurts. Mm -hmm. And it hurts, but it doesn't really injure you. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's really, th there's tricks to the trade for sure. Mm -hmm. So is it fair to say that the people who go to see professional wrestling, they're going to be entertained and to watch highly physically fit people maul one another, <laughs> but in a way, but, but in an entertaining way. Definitely. That, that's just what it is. Yeah, and I think it's like this kind of unspoken agreement with the fans. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know you're, what you're getting. Yeah. You have to suspend your disbelief when you enter the doors mm -hmm. um, and just kind of, you know, Feel the feel the moment, um, but I would compare it to um, like a Cirque du Soleil mixed with Saturday Night Live. There's improv; so mm -hmm. much of it is is planned, and you know the right. finish. But sometimes maybe the crowd doesn't like what you're doing. You have to you have to change it on the fly, mm. um, and you have to figure out a way to speak to your opponent without anyone seeing when you're surrounded uh, at every angle. Right. Um, so that's an art form in that way, and it's a dance, um, and, 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 and it's a little bit of everything, of every entertainment industry. So how do you prevent yourself from getting injured? And when you do get injured, did you have any regimen to come back from it? How, how did that all come together? I think what made it more difficult for me is um, being bipolar and being on certain medications, it's when you get injuries, some people, you know, are like, okay, I'll take a painkiller. Like, I couldn't do that. I didn't trust myself doing that. I didn't think that was safe. So I had to kind of power through all that stuff. Wow. Yeah. So interesting fact, when you think of injury, you think of what could break a bone. Right. Um, so, but generally people don't think about acceleration rather than speed. Okay. All right. So... They say speed kills. Yeah, that's false. Okay, acceleration kills. Acceleration kills. Yes. And negative acceleration, which we have a word for it, deceleration, right, is the most common thing that will kill you in anything. Okay. Okay. So that's why high jumpers, when they, or that's why pole vaulters, right, when they land on the other side, they don't land on cement. Right. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> because yeah. the, if they land on cement, 
They well, they from, don't. They don't anymore. No, in our day, yeah. In our day, we, <laughs> yeah. I remember when it was a man's sport. You know. <laughs> so you fall, and they reach their top speed. And if you hit the cement, you go from that top speed to zero in a fraction of a second. Right. That breaks bones. Okay. So what you want to do is spread out the time over which you slow down, and arithmetically, acceleration is the change in your speed divided by the time. So if the time gets large your acceleration becomes less. So they land on pillows. So you hit the top of the pillow, right. and then they stop their motion by the time they squish to the bottom of the pillow. Right. So you spread that out. That's why they can pop up and take another pole vault. Right. After, and not just be scooped off the ground. So, as is the truth... <laughs> Those were the early pole vaulting uh, matches, where they just shoveled you up. You know. This isn't caveman time. Right, exactly. <laughs> Ooh, Trog can't... <laughs> yes. Trog has won the gold medal, but he can only do it once. <laughs> All right, so if you're not... If you don't want to get injured, whatever it is you're doing while you're moving, make sure that you come to a stop over the longest, longest amount period of time, time can, possible. Okay? Right. If the ropes that the wrestlers get thrown into were made of steel... Mm-hmm. Then they could, they probably end up ripping the vertebrae on their back. Oh, God. Okay. Oh, now you just made me love wrestling. Okay. But they're <laughs> no. made of these sort of these elastic. elastic. So I throw you into the rope. Like a bungee. You, you, like a bungee cord. You, it takes you a while to come to a stop. Right. And that energy is preserved in the rope and you just bounce back. Right. So, and, and if you, have you ever played on a wrestling mat? Never. Uh, in a professional mat, it's very springy. Yeah. You're not thinking of that because you're paying attention to the wrestlers. Right. But if you look at when they get thrown down, it actually, has give to it, spring give to it. Right. So that you don't, you know, break your spleen getting slammed onto the mat. Right. You, you it takes you a few inches to go in and, and then come back out and then that... Well, you hear it when you when they hit it. It's... Bah, 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 bah. Like, you hear that kind of... You, you really are a fan. You've been to these matches. No, no. The way you... Oh, oh yeah. No, I, 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 I'm I, telling you, I'm not. <laughs> really? I can, I can stop anytime. <laughs> <laughs> You're reciting to me what the mat sounds like after they... Get thrown onto yeah, it. That's kind of what it's selling. Like. Yeah. So it's all about accelerating. And so if you're in a car accident, right, your your chances of survival are much greater if the car takes a long time to come to a stop. That's why airbags deflate when you hit them. Uh, well, that's why you have airbags. So right. you hit the bag right. of air right. instead of the dashboard. True, because the bag of air actually deflates. It, right. It will it, it will cushion you to to have more time for you to come to a stop. Right. When Dale Earnhardt died, okay, his car accident was he was going 200 miles an hour and then zero. Yeah. In a fraction of a second, I said he's not surviving that. Yeah. But people didn't see a twisted wreck. They didn't see flames. Right. They didn't see tires rolling down. That's you know, the good stuff. The usual spectacular crashes. That's when you know the driver's okay. There's, that's is more likely to be okay because it took a long time for that car to come to a stop. Right. And that's why they have these videos. And they walked. Right, they get out every time they, and wave so, to the so, crowd. So the and they walked part is, well, here is, the, it's because, oh my gosh, look what happened to the car. Right. And the car, you know, breaks into pieces over 100 yards and the guy gets out and walks because it took that long to come to a stop. Then so the, so the, it's really should be called, of course they walked. Of course they walked. <laughs> if you know physics. Physics 101, of course they walked. Must you ruin everything. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so Chuck, getting back to AJ's bipolar disorder. Yes, right. Um, she wanted to sort of reclaim the word crazy. Right. In, in her own way. So let's find out what's behind that. Check it out. It was a very conscious decision to use a word that might be divisive, mm -hmm. that it might make people, uh, it, it, I might rub people the wrong way, and I've always kind of enjoyed that. 
Um, and the point in doing that is when you have these words that make people go, <gasps> you give the word letters power over you. Um, and so for me, every I've been labeled so many things. I've been I've been called you know bitchy. I've been called loud. I've been called impulsive. Um, I've been called poor, ugly, freak, rebel, crazy. I didn't call you any of those. <laughs> Doesn't you're, mean I'm not thinking them. You're but nice. No. <laughs> no, no, no. I just you're nice <laughs> on the outside. I, 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 I try to avoid labels because they. They're excuses for not thinking more deeply about exactly. the nuances of who a person actually is. Definitely. And and these were things that were used against me. They were sharpened and used as a weapon against me. And when you own it and when you say, oh, being crazy has given me power and it's given me talent that I wouldn't have if, if I wasn't. And being short and uh, being looking different than the other girls made me successful. It was the reason for my success. I own it now and I, I control it. I have the power. Um, and I think that's the first step in destigmatizing mental illness is mm -hmm. there aren't there shouldn't be hush words. We should be able to talk about it, joke about it as I do. I, I take nothing so seriously where I can't make fun of myself. Um, and and that's kind of the first step in, in the conversation starting. There you go. So Chuck, yeah. when we come back, right. we're gonna bring in Heather Berlin. Yes. To get to the bottom of this. So we, we'll be right back. Stay with us. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Star Talk. We're back on Star Talk. We're featuring my interview with AJ Mendez, professional wrestler who suffers from bipolar disorder, but turned that into her superpower. 
and wrote a book, Crazy is My Superpower. And Chuck and I have been talking about her in the wrestling ring, but to take this any steps further, we need some real brain expertise here. Mm -hmm. So we bring in Heather, Heather Berlin. Yes. Hey. No, um, no stranger to Star Talk, not only on the flagship, but also you've hosted uh, our Star Talk All Stars. Yes. So thank you for doing that. Happy uh, to be wonderful here. Wonderful to have you. And of course, so we're first airing this in Mental Health Awareness Month. All right. The month of May. We get yeah. a whole month. A whole month. Wow. Awesome. So, so tell us. What is bipolar disorder? Because I don't really know. Uh, and I okay. bet many people don't really know. Yeah. So the bipolar, it's not sort of, it's not just one thing. There are actually different types of, and we can put it in different categories of mm. bipolar disorder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so basically, it, in general, it involves having both depressive episodes mm -hmm. and then um, manic episodes. But is manic the opposite of depression? Yes. Yes. Manic is like, you know, being. Basically high on coke yeah. is kind of the... <laughs> right. Not that I would know. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with yeah, that. Well, like, yes, exactly. Um, but no, when people are in manic... Actually, you know, they often enjoy the manic episodes. Right. Um, they have uh, racing thoughts. They have a lot of energy. They don't really need a lot of sleep. They feel very creative. Um, but they can also be impulsive um, and go on shopping sprees and things. But it, it, it actually, subjectively feels really good to be in these states. Sounds a lot like meth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. And then but 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 not everybody has there there's diff differences in terms of the severity of the manic episodes. So some people have what we call hypomania, which is kind of um a mild uh, episode of mania. Hypo as a, the opposite of hyper. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But they're still manic, but it's just a more mild manic episode. Right. And so if you have both a major depressive episode and then you have a hypomania, you have um, what's called bipolar 2 disorder. But if you Type 2. Type 2. Yeah. Oh, cool. Bipolar type 2. Oh, it's like a mental version of diabetes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Thank you, Chuck, for that deep insight. <laughs> the deep physiological insight. <laughs> I should have went to medical school. <laughs> Actually, in astrophysics, we have type 1 and type 2 supernovae. Mm. Supernova? Two yeah. Okay. They have two different origins. But right. So type one is basically when you have a major, um, you have a manic episode and you don't necessarily need a depressive episode. Nor usually you'll eventually get one, but just having one major manic episode, you'll get diagnosed with bipolar type one. And then usually eventually you'll have some sort of depressive episode down the road. What Hope. causes it? Why do some people have it that's and others a, not? That's a really big question. That um, usually means you don't know the answer. Well, <laughs> we have a couple of answers. <laughs> okay. I mean... We have some hypotheses. We have some hypotheses. Yes. Um, we know that at least 85% variance, it's, it's related to genetics. So it, there's a huge genetic component to it. Um, we know... There are general patterns of brain activation that we see in people with bipolar disorder that have to do with regulating emotion. So parts of the brain, the ventral medial prefrontal cortex, which regulates the amygdala and emotional parts of the brain, um, it doesn't work as well. Chuck, how's your amygdala? Oh, it's in terrible shape. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> I can tell you that right now. Mm. And their amygdala seems to be like super active, yeah. very active, mm -hmm. um, but it's not as active in the prefrontal cortex, so they don't, they can't modulate those strong emotions as well. And so your amygdala, is that where your fight or flight comes comes from is that your kind of lizard brain exactly like, yeah 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 that's your like primal, primal yeah. yeah and, and, and you need the higher order parts of the brain to contain that 
Exactly. I mean, if you get but, angry with someone, you just punch them without actually regulating this primal behavior. Right, because normally you have that urge, okay, I'm going to, I feel like punching you, for example, Chuck, I don't know. Right. And then um, and then another part of my brain would say, wait, you know what, that might not be the best idea. And then that part of your brain says, punch them harder. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> exactly. So it's the same thing with, you know, these urges, but also with emotions. So you might have a feeling of extreme sadness um, or extreme happiness. And normally our brain kind of modulates it because we want homeostasis. We want to be kind of, um, in our kind of comfort zone. But when there's dysregulation there, then you have these high highs and these low lows. So what's the, what's the treatment? So we, you know, treatment has not really evolved that much in the last 50 years. Still... No. Electroshock therapy. No. Huh? No. The, the first line treatment is still basically lithium which is a, a basic element in the right. periodic table. Right. Um, yeah, that, don't ever do that, that people. <laughs> just letting you yeah, know. Thank right. you, Chuck, for your medical hey, advice here. Just going to let you know, man. Don't ever do that lithium. <laughs> lithium oh, there's salt. actually cosmological no. lithium, not very much of it in the universe. Oh, yeah. interesting. Very little of it, but um, it's there. The Big yeah. Bang made some lithium, I'm just saying. Was Aww. the Big Bang depressed? <laughs> Big Bang. You know, Big Bang has issues. Right. <laughs> Self-medicating. Self-medicating. <laughs> it doesn't understand its origin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> uh, Who am I? The, Why am I here? The Big Bang has existential <laughs> answers. <laughs> the Big Bang has it. There's no hope for any of us. <laughs> I'm going to suggest exactly. that you take some cosmological lithium. Right? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Actually, um, probably but, is. I don't think we make it otherwise. You get it from nature. Yeah, it's from nature. Yeah, so it's, it's Big Bang lithium. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's the first line treatment. Then we have other variations. We have um, anti-convulsant drugs, which are also considered to be mood stabilizers. Mm -hmm. Now, antidepressants, interestingly, you would never give them alone to treat bipolar disorder because it actually can throw you into a manic right, right. phase. Yes, yeah, so it's just oh. like, I'm going to take my antidepressants like, all right, this is awesome. Everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you don't sleep for, five, for five days. days. Exactly. <laughs> I'm totally fine. I don't know what your problem is. I'm doing great. <laughs> well, we've got a clip of AJ talking about treatment. Oh, great. Let's see where she takes us on that. How early in your life were you self-aware that you had bipolar disorder? Because you, 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 you bring it out in this book. I think for many people, it's the first time knowing this about you. Is that correct? It is. Yeah. Um, I, I can't remember a time when I didn't feel like there was something a little off with me. Um, but I was only officially diagnosed when I was 19, 20. Okay. So it took me a while. But once I got diagnosed, everything kind of made sense. And whatever uh, stress factor the bipolar disorder had on you, you were nonetheless still creative and productive as a student. Definitely. So, so when you're diagnosed at 19, are there, is there medication to tamp it down, or how, or is it? How does that work? Definitely, and, th and that's, forgive my ignorance of it because I, oh, I don't no. know. You know, a lot of people get intimidated about the long road to recovery, mm -hmm. um, and sometimes people get misdiagnosed as um, just being depressed. And antidepressants are really dangerous if you're mm -hmm. bipolar. Um, but when you find uh, the right diagnosis. Um, it's a, a bit of a struggle to get um, your perfect formula for treatment. Um, but if you just fight through that... It's, it's balancing the chemistry it really of you. Is. It even is. relative to someone else that could have the same diagnosis. Yes, two people are not going to have the same treatment. They're yeah. not going to have the same medication. Um, or just how they treat themselves in life, whether it's meditation or exercise or therapy. Um, you have to find the right cocktail for you. Um, and I found that, um, luckily, early enough to gain complete control over my life. So I like the fact that you've included uh, exercise and meditation as part of what is the cocktail. Yes, The cocktail's definitely. not just the chemistry that you ingest. It's 
the rest of how you manage your life. I think so, and I think not only is there, you know, a science behind it of your, your, you know, the serotonin and the endorphins that it's releasing when you get that high, um, but there's the, something about feeling capable and feeling mm -hmm. strong and, okay, I can lift this weight or I did a four-mile run. Um, and just feeling capable is something that will bring you out of any funk that you're in. Heather, I'm curious. Mm -hmm. in, in modern day, what is, I, it's probably not, probably can't answer this in a general way, but then be specific if you need to. Mm -hmm. What is the mixture of drugs versus th couch therapy right. in your universe? And well, when do you say, we can fix this, just lay down on a couch and talk about your problems? Mm -hmm. And when do you say, hey, I got a pill, call me in the morning? Right. So I mean, the, the thing that's important to remember is that every thought you have is related to some underlying brain, physical brain process. So once thoughts become um, to a place where they're so abnormal or in a sense so hard to control, whether they're negative thoughts or even highly positive thoughts, then you really need to look at the underlying neurochemistry and see, is there a neurochemical imbalance that's causing the imbalance of these thoughts or emotions? And if there is, it's usually one answer is not enough. We find that the best effects is there's a synergistic effect when you treat with a medication with, to a brain that needs it um, and together with talk therapy or psychological therapy. So it's healing the thoughts in the brain at the same time. You'll get a better effect than either on its own. That being said, though, if there's somebody who might have some sort of psychological problems, but they're not related to a neurochemical imbalance, then taking the drugs can actually do more harm than good. Absolutely. So can, is it possible that an emotional problem can lead to a neurochemical problem? So you start mm -hmm. off with a trauma or a, a, a problem, and that problem actually changes your brain to uh, alters it so that you actually have a neurochemical problem. He's asking about a friend of his. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, <laughs> a friend of Chuck. Right, yeah. right. no, I'm just, um, I'm trying to save some money. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> Let me ask Heather. Maybe I can cancel my appointment this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, I might have to charge for this then. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's always this sort of, it's a dance between our brain is, is, is constantly getting information and interacting with its environment and it's developing and changing because of the environment. I mean, that's what memory is. Memory is an actual physical change in the brain. So we do know that, especially in the developing brain, which is most vulnerable, if you're exposed to a stressor and especially to repeated stressors, mm -hmm. it actually releases cortisol and it can affect things like the development of the hippocampus, for example. Right. So people who have early so life stressors... That's why, that's why they yeah. talk about how impactful childhood trauma can be even yes. late into adulthood yes it's i mean trauma at any stage is can be impactful but it's even more so in childhood because the brain is still developing and is much more vulnerable and so we know that in older in when we look at adult brains people who have um, certain psychiatric illnesses have smaller hippocampi have smaller amygdalae and then the question becomes is it because they were exposed to early life stressors or is it because they might have a genetic predisposition, they were born that way and they don't have this neuroprotective factor? Like maybe having a larger hippocampus and amygdala protects you from developing psycho psychiatric illness when you're under stress. So we just, we don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg, but wow. yes, environmental experiences can certainly affect the brain. Um, Chuck, Chuck was a big man on his hippocampus. No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> what? What? Oh. <laughs> That's the Scientist. For, for the next clip. Trying to be funny. <laughs> for the, I, had to, I asked AJ. <laughs> <laughs> what? 
<laughs> Chuck. <laughs> so for the next clip, I asked AJ, is there any part of her personality that she, she either credits or blames uh, on her bipolar disorder? Check it out. For me, it is the source of my powers, if you will. Um, I find that I believe I believe in myself possibly a little too much sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was... I don't think a lot of people thought you could go from homeless to being on a champion on television or that you can go from being uh, underweight and sickly to being um, in wrestling, into in an athletic career. Um, there's a lot of people that didn't think a pro wrestler was smart enough to write a book by herself. Not to put words in your mouth, but you would say that being bipolar, in a way, defined who you came to be. It, it definitely did. In it childhood made me and braver. as an adult. Yes. I, as a kid, I, whether I realized it or not, but looking back, I know as far as I can remember, I have been bipolar. We just didn't diagnose it. Um, but it made me braver. It made me tougher. Um, it made me a little brazen, and maybe that rubbed people the wrong way, but at least I was always honest. It rubbed them an honest way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 and you know, I, I'm the kind of person that can't really keep my mouth shut if I see there's some sort of injustice in the world. Uh, even if I have to stand up alone, I'm going to stand up. Um, and then you could just say, otherwise I'll kick your ass. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's for real. I mean, why not? <laughs> okay. um, and so, and being like extra empathetic. Um, because if you have these these this large range of emotions, uh, I can feel other people's pain, maybe a little too deeply, but at least I understand them. Um, and so it is the source of, uh, I think my best qualities are have come from being bipolar. And I'm afraid to think of who I would be without it. Mm-hmm. See, I'm going to push back on that just a little <laughs> bit. Well, wait, wait, let's find out something from Heather. Mm-hmm. Heather. Yeah. Uh, clearly, severe mental illness it is contraindicated in evolution, we might think. Mm-hmm. We might think mm-hmm. that if you can't really function or you're not connected to reality, mm-hmm. that would have been selected out evolutionarily, but apparently it hasn't. Is there any insight in your profession about that? Yeah, well, a, a number of the psychiatric illnesses don't develop uh, until... So you after you make babies. Exactly. Yeah, okay, exactly. so there it is. Well, that makes so it perfect might, it sense. So it might have an early advantage in some sense. Uh-huh. Um, and and then, you know, afterwards, but now we're surviving longer and, and we're... But, but, you know, in general, it... It usually is more harm than good. And, and you know, it's hard to say, let's say, for example, what she would be like. She might still have all those positive right. traits without the disorder. Yeah, but I suppose, I, I, wait, I, I think, wait, wait, wait. Go ahead. But wait, but, mm-hmm. but wait. Not to be devil's advocate, but suppose you found a way mm-hmm. to snip, nip-tuck in the brain so she never had bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. Then... According to her, and I believe her, she would have never become the person who she is. But that is because she is ascribing her achievements to the bipolarism. This is my point. So who are you as a mental health professional Mm -hmm. to say who should or should not have one illness or another another, if the fact of overcoming the illness is what Mm -hmm. shapes who you become in life? But see, here's the problem. Did I ask you this question? (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You have an MD after your name? Uh, No, just PH. (laughs) No D, just PH. (laughs) I'm PH balanced. I don't have a PhD. I'm PH balanced. (laughs) Seven. Okay. No, go ahead, Heather. Um, no, so 
Um, pH balance. <laughs> <laughs> I have a PhD. I have a PhD, not a PhD. <laughs> um, okay. So the amount of suffering, subjective suffering that the illness causes the patient is one of the measures that we use in terms of the diagnosis. So because most of it is subjective, some of it is out behavioral, you know, if someone's acting out impulsively and, and then it's affecting other people. But say something like depression, we have to ask the person, how do you feel? How much um, subjective suffering is this causing you? And if a person says, you know what, I'm perfectly fine with my mental illness. This is, you know, I think it brings me, you know, whatever, my creativity, you know, that that's their choice. So I'm not saying we need to eradicate all mental illness, but okay. I think it would help to eradicate human suffering. And the majority of the time, it causes more suffering than it does good. Um, really good answer there. Yeah. Thank I, oh, I, thanks. I, I, <laughs> oh, you're like, yeah. No, I wasn't okay. saying yeah to that. that. Yeah, yeah, it was a good answer. answer. <laughs> was it yeah, is? I was thinking to myself. No. I, I just think that... <laughs> no, we, that's very cogent. Thank you. That, yeah. That's oh, very thank insightful. You. Thank you. I think all human beings have a tendency to uh, attribute their success to things that Otherwise, uh, they would not if they didn't have that success. Something, something quote, abnormal. Right, exactly. Abnormality. Exactly. Right, so, for right. instance, um, you know, okay, let's just take it. I was bullied as a kid, right? But, uh, you know, there's a part of me that feels like, um, you know, the fact that I never backed down from bullies and the fact that I was able to handle it makes me a stronger person and therefore I am who I am today because I was bullied, right? And then... My wife will say, no, could you just imagine yourself if you were loved and nurtured and only? Right. Right. Do you understand? Right. So, like, right, right. I'm saying... Oh, I see. So you, after the fact, right. ascribe why right. was the case. When and it so, might have still been that way anyway. It might have been that way anyway. Or you might have been better. Yeah. Even better. Exactly. We okay, don't how about Van Gogh and Beethoven? Oh, Rumors okay. that they were both bipolar. Ooh. Okay. So there's this, uh, there's this sort of myth because people take these very sort of prominent case individuals and say, look, that person was super creative and they also had some sort of mental illness. Mm -hmm. Therefore, those two things must go together. But the truth is when you you look at the epidemiology and the statistics, it's just not true. It just happens to be because there's a certain um, proportion of the population that develops these types In of the mental illness. In the Venn diagram exactly. of artists and people with mental illness, gonna be some of them some, are going to be both. Exactly. And there's also some highly creative people who don't have mental illness. Yeah. So it doesn't necessitate it. If like, anything, they were good artists MC despite Escher, it. for example, he, mm -hmm. per, he yeah. grew up in a wealthy family, right. highly productive. Had it, ever, had it all. Had it all, right. loved it, everything. Right. Nobody's mm -hmm. making a movie about his midnight torment. Right. 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 But and we, he gave us all those great drawings, and he was an awesome rapper. Yes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> MC Escher, of course. Oh, I get it. <laughs> Heather, well, I thought I'm you were sorry. quicker than I that. I know, I know, I know. Well, you say rapper, and it goes, I go straight to my husband. I'm like, what, rapper? Huh? And I get all distracted. That's but, right, my rap name. What? Ooh. MC squared. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Twice in the same <laughs> show. We, we got to take a break. When we come back, more of my interview, the Star Talk interview with AJ Mendez, professional wrestler, and where crazy is her superpower. Let's start talking to Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba -ba. 
unlocking the secrets of your world and everything orbiting around it. This is Star Talk. We're back for my final segment of Star Talk, featuring my interview with AJ Mendez, professional wrestler, author of Crazy Is My Superpower. And I've got Heather Berlin here to help us out because we're talking about neurological issues. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I have Chuck here. So uh, for my next clip, uh, she describes just what she had to do in her life to deal with this affliction. Let's check it out. There's definitely evidence that the Hispanic community reports their mental illness less and they get less treatment. There's uh, this feeling of machismo and, and, and you, this tough, tough as nails sort of uh, uh, mandate uh, amongst our families. And so that was one thing against me. Um, being a tiny woman was another thing that was against me. And um, I, I, I think there's something about being young and naive and kind of um, just hopeful that you can really do anything in the world and not knowing the realities of the world mm -hmm. that um, somehow it didn't stop me. I, it just made me want to kind of fight for it harder. If more people felt that way, <laughs> I, think I about how so. transformed the world would be. I think I think we get jaded, and I think you just give up. Yeah, and you give up, especially when it gets hard. When there's the first roadblock. Yeah, yeah. You, you measure the forces, and then you look at your your fuel supply, and you say, "I don't have enough. I'll, yes. just, I'll just go the path of least resistance." Exactly. And but the world is shaped by those who take the path of most resistance. Definitely. Such as yourself. <laughs> okay. Damn, did I say that? Yeah, that's nice. a good one. <laughs> so, wow. so coming from a Hispanic family, as mm -hmm. she said, it's underreported mental illness. Mm -hmm. Could you comment on just what the challenges are for any person to be candid or honest about their mental illness just as a person, separate from what might be cultural? Yeah. I'm, there's a lot of stigma and there's definitely cultural, still, still yeah. cultural variation. It's gotten much better. Mm -hmm. I mean, much better. It used to be now, and everyone talks about, you know, oh, I go to my therapist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that used to be, you never used to never hear that. Right. right. Yeah, everybody's talking about it. Right. It, yeah, it's, it's become, so it's in the sort of public zeitgeist and it's, and it's accepted. However, in cultures where, you know, there's still this kind of, you know, you're supposed to don't cry and, you know. and yeah, and in war veterans, I mean, they're afraid to admit to their PTSD because, you know, they don't want to lose their jobs and they don't want to, you know, and so it's it's a process. It's getting better. Um, PTSD, post-traumatic oh, post stress. stress disorder. Oh, disorder. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But 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 there are people who are breaking the stereotypes and, and they're sort of role models that are like these tough, big, macho men are being like, look, I have this mental illness and I'm getting mm -hmm. treating for it and that's okay. There are ads in the subway now mm -hmm. with... Uh, who's our big swimmer guy who talks Michael about Phelps. Michael oh, Phelps? Michael right. Phelps. Okay. Oh, you don't take the subway, apparently, oh. Heather. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the subway. Okay. The real people take the subway. Um, there he is saying, uh, uh, therapy has helped me. It can help you. Yes. And he's just out yeah. there with it. Right. Yeah. And here's a famous yeah. guy. And there are other famous people. Um, um, the, the actress in La La Land, her name is Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Um, she came out and talked about her childhood, severe anxiety and OCD, and, and did a whole. Obsessive Obsessive compulsive, compulsive disorder. disorder. And so, you know, when you get people like this who are willing to come forward and speak up, it, it makes it better for everybody else uh, and yeah. easier to come out. And yeah, that, I seems, mean, that seems to be true for everything. So, for example, uh, the number of people who went in for colon cancer screening after right. Katie mm -hmm. Couric's husband died, right? Her, that 
effect on the health of the country and even the world mm -hmm. was greater than any public service announcement yeah. that doctors could possibly make. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I owe my healthy colon to Katie. That's for sure. <laughs> really? Okay. So it's in your hands, celebrities. <laughs> yes. Power okay. is in your hands. Oh, make, God, uh, make I thought you want my colon. <laughs> <laughs> so this whole celebrity thing, mm -hmm. AJ is, is sort of part of that. Yeah. 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 And, and again, her stage name is AJ Lee. Right. So let's find out what she's been doing to try to get the word out. Let's check it out. So other than your book, how do you have other ways to sensitize people to mental health? Thank By the way, just to be clear, when I was growing up, nobody talked about mental health. Exactly. That just, just you did not go there. Exactly. Okay? Yeah. And that's what, in my family, you didn't talk about it. It wasn't mm -hmm. real. And that's why it took so long to start helping myself. Um, so my goal is to get people to start helping themselves a little bit earlier. I believe uh, most people, it, it takes 10 years between onset of symptoms to getting any sort of treatment, which is terrifying what, what can happen in those 10 years. Um, Not that it should take 10 years, just in practice. People generally, it takes them that long. They're, they're denying denial. it um, because they're afraid to acknowledge it. They're afraid of what it means if they have something wrong with them that needs treatment. Um, Meanwhile, if you got some other physical ailment, you go immediately. Yeah, if you if you got a cut, you put a Band-Aid on it. If you're sick, you, you take cold medicine. Um, if you break a bone, you go to the hospital. But when you can't see mental illness, people don't really pay attention. Um, and so what we're trying to do is, is start people young. Um, the Jed Foundation uh, is a organization that focuses on youth and kids in high school or grade school that have all these pressures from a million different angles um, and are just trying to figure out who they are. And some of them, on top of that, are trying to figure out the changes in their brain chemistry and trying to understand that. Um, so they are It's amazing really, we survive middle school and high school at all. Really? And then imagine feeling a little bit weaker or a little bit sadder. Um, and so they are a really great resource if you want to see if what you have is, just, is, is ordinary or if it is maybe requires a little bit more treatment or a little bit more uh, of an effort. Um, so if you want to learn about symptoms and about coping mechanisms, I would suggest people go to uh, jedfoundation.org slash help. J-E-D. Foundation.org slash help. And that's a really good jumping off point for, um, I would say, middle schoolers and high school kids. Um, you make a great point because let's say you're struggling or you're sad. You don't know enough to know whether it's a clinical chemical problem or whether you just need to talk to a friend yeah. or, or both. Yes, exactly. And they have resources where you can see, you can kind of compare what you're going through. Does it last longer than two weeks? Uh, is your appetite changing? Is your sleep pattern changing? Little things. And whether it's happening in you or maybe your best friend is going through it, um, it's, it they, they have some guidelines that, that can help you out just getting started. Um, and and what I, I'm also working with NAMI. Um, the, the National Alliance on uh, Mental Illness. Um, and right now we have a campaign um, that's called, uh, that is, is to fight stigma. Um, if people can go to nami.org slash stigma free, they can take the pledge um, to stop shaming mental illness and start talking about it. And the second it just becomes conversational and it's something that we're not so scared of, um, that really is the first step at any age. Um, to treatment and healing. So Heather, you straddle two worlds, mm -hmm. as I see it. You're, mm -hmm. you're, you think a lot about mental health, 
that might be cured by conversation or insights into what's driving people's thoughts. Mm -hmm. But you also have looked inside people's brains. What's the future of treatment of mental illness? When will the day come where there are no mental asylums? Yeah, that's a big question. You know, where we're going... And is the future in... Once you know... I'm I'm making this up, but Mm -hmm. imagine the day where you've mapped every single neuron. And you say, there's the criminal neuron, or there's this Mm -hmm. neuron, and let's snip, snip, snip. Redirect, right. and now this this psychopathic behavior is uh-huh. do, is over. If only it were so easy. Because even if we map the entire brain, the complexity of what entails just having a simple thought, much less a mental disorder, we we might not be able to crack that code. However, I do think we are getting closer. Um, in another direction is looking at the human genome and mapping that onto cognitive function and mm. to certain types of disorders. Now, I f- do think that we will be able at some point to if using things like CRISPR, modify the genome and perhaps prevent some of these things before they even go on to develop. But then, This is like home kit to, to gene splice. Yeah. CRISPR. I mean, yeah. it's going to be, you know, at that sort of designer baby point. But there's a lot of obviously ethical issues with that. And you don't know what, and that, at that level, you don't know what you're going to be sacrificing because of that. I think what's closer in terms of our lifetime is things like neural prosthetics. We're putting neural implants to, to stimulate parts of the brain to treat psychiatric illness. Oh. And also a really... Another non-invasive novel treatment is, um, are the use of psychedelic drugs to yes. treat these illnesses. So we just just got FDA approval for um, for LSD. Really? No. Yeah. <laughs> really? Well, FDA's come a long way. <laughs> <laughs> no ketamine. Right? Ketamine. Yeah. Which is K. Yeah, special K. We have intranasal. So I don't know any oh, okay. So um, you see now, see so you weren't <laughs> wholesome. I am. You weren't hanging in the clubs. No, no I was no. not. Yeah. So you were you were too busy studying. I was getting my physics. Yeah. The astrophysics PhD. Right. Well, okay. K, well, see, well, when you when your pH balanced instead of PhD, <laughs> you got a lot of you, special K. You know that special K. <laughs> um, so basically, it's 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 an anesthetic. It's a dissociative anesthetic that was it's used actually in children to put them out under anesthesia. But in small doses, you get these dissociative effects. It was a club drug. Um, so I was there in the early trials of this because it's looking at depression, major depression, not just as a involving serotonin, but also the glutamatergic system in the brain another neurotransmitter system in the brain. And miraculously, people with severe depression who are suicidal, who have tried every other drug, anti-depressant, you know, um, this has intravenous ketamine as amazing effects. I mean, and I see it in patients, like anecdotally, and then we know it from the research. So they just earlier this year um, approved uh, intranasal uh, spray of, of a, 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 a sort of a cousin of ketamine, an isomer, that will treat depression. And we are looking at things like psilocybin, um, now still in experimental stages, and basically the ingredient. In so mushrooms. it's all chemical. It's chemical, and we're, we're you're reminding us we're a sack of chemistry, and you're <laughs> jumping are. in with your own set of chemicals. Right. We just all. Right? Chem- so my best friends are made of chemicals. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but these are. I think these are temporary fixes. They're not cures um, until we really understand how the brain works and all. Yeah, but for that. every successful chemical, that's evidence of a deeper understanding of what's actually happening chemically in your brain. Yeah. So that's got to help going down the line. It, it helps. It's a piece of the puzzle. Yes. There's a lot of pieces to the puzzle. There's, mm-hmm. you know, the, the neurophysiology and the neurochemistry and the neuroanatomy and the genetic aspects and epigenetics. So there's a lot. But it is another piece of the puzzle that gets us closer to the answer. Mm. Sweet. All right, we got to wrap this down. Chuck, you got any final thoughts? Oh, no, I think okay. I'm going to say Heather, my final thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay, what, Chuck? 
No, 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 no. I, I, you just reminded me to make an appointment to see my therapist. That's all. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad. I'm do. Well, um, I'm taking patients, so you can look me up online. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, no, I mean, my thought is that I just really hope that we can get to the day where everybody can look at the brain just like any other organ. And when it's mm-hmm. broken, we can look for ways to fix it and we can work towards removing the stigma. Um, I think it's really important. Yeah. Mm. So, Heather, I'm going to disagree with you about something. Uh-oh. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. There we go. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just want to say that the universe looked really complicated until Isaac Newton came along and showed that the movement of the planets, previously given unto mysterious divine forces, were explainable by just a couple of equations. And so his genius simplified that which was previously imagined to be intractably complex, requiring divine knowledge of the universe to even understand it. So dare I say, Heather, Mm -hmm. that however complex you think the brain is, Mm -hmm. maybe we are awaiting the birth of an Isaac Newton counterpart in neuroscience, who rather than become stupefied by its complexity, becomes enlightened, by its simplicity. And that is a cosmic perspective. I've been your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. I want to thank Heather Berlin for being on the show. Chuck, you're still hosting Playing With Science. That's right, sir. Playing With Science. That's and, our sports spinoff. Our sports spinoff, which you know, we, you can find Heather being a guest on that show. You as well. Oh, I get around. Damn, Heather. I get around. Yeah. Damn. I have no loyalty. <laughs> <laughs> was it about brain injuries and, and yeah, yeah, anything okay. brain related with yeah. sports? We go to Heather. That's going to be a lot. Boxing, football. Yeah. Oh, man, it's oh, yeah. a lot. Uh, MMA, it's yeah. all there. It's all there. Mm-hmm. All right, we got to go. Till next time, I bid you to keep looking up. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.